0: I'm not sure how happy you are seeing me because I keep standing here every Sunday. But I'm always so excited to see all of you. It gives me a lot of joy and, you know, it's, the, it's just a joy in the lot to be able to see you all and just meet you and it really blesses me every time I see you. And I hope it is the same for maybe at least... Many of you, if not all, but let that be our desire that it's a joy every time we come together in fellowship. Because that is something that is what I'm going to talk about today. So as pastor has already sent out a message where the sermon is titled, Gather and Go. I'm not sure if you remember where these two words have come from. So we will be doing a little bit of a recap as well. But I've been told some years ago by those who have been working with the Chinese underground churches that the churches felt the need of meeting with one another irrespective of the insurmountable risk there is in meeting together for worship. So what they would do, this is what they told me, is that there were times when they would not make any announcement where the next place would be because it was so dangerous. There were spies all over, so they had to keep it very, very secret. But what they said was that in the coming Sunday, everyone would gather in one place, even though they did not announce. And they believed that it was the Holy Spirit that was prompting them into their hearts where their location would be. And they would exactly meet in those places. Why are they risking so much? Why do they feel the need to meet in person? They would have been very comfortable if they were in their own little homes and just read their Bibles and praying worship. That would be enough. But then, these are the wonderful testimonies that we hear of how they would long to meet with each other in spite of all the Challenges that are there. And we know stories of many who have been arrested, sent into labor camps, and not sure when they would ever be released. Some have even passed away even in these labor camps. So for the next two Sundays, we would like to speak on the 4G mission. I'm not sure if you remember, Pastor had mentioned earlier also the 4G mission that we have. And as you came to this location, as you were just going to walk down the stairs, I'm not sure if you notice that display we have over there. Our mission statement is also written there, the 4G missions. Do you remember what those are, the 4Gs? Gather, grow, give, and go. Can you sing with me once if you don't mind? Gather, grow, give, go. It's very easy. It's simple. So why do we need to gather, grow, give and go as a church? Why is it so important? It's because of the vision that we have as a church, which is we envision a Christ-centered spiritual community passionate for the glory of God in all things. We envision a Christ-centered, centered spiritual community passionate for the glory of God in all things so if we have to move towards that vision we need to do these 4G missions as well which is gather grow give and go. every member of the church needs to know the vision and mission so that all of us are together in this journey if we are faithful and carry out the mission then we will be moving towards being a Christ centered Spiritual community. I know we are still quite far away in some ways, but it is our desire and we want to walk down that road, isn't it? Towards that vision that the Lord has given for this church. So today I will be speaking on the first two of the 4G mission, which is gather and grow. The first one, gather. We have gone through a difficult phase in the past two years. The pandemic, the lockdowns. And during that period, there were some things that were very, very popular. I know there were quite a few of them, but what really stood out is Zoom, and Google Meet, and maybe YouTube. So these were some of the three things that I wanted to mention. All of these online platforms where people could connect with one another. And I praise God that the church all over the world was very fast in adapting to this new technology. Because we wanted some fellowship. We wanted to meet in some medium. It's a wonderful discovery of technology. But is it supposed to replace the physical meeting of believers on Sundays for worship I don't think so it's not supposed to replace that there are advantages definitely but then this is not how the body of Christ the church is supposed to be I know there are many who are unable to go out from the houses due to various challenges uh, with health and other issues that are there but these are exceptions And I think the Lord understands it, and I'm sure. In 1 John, and verse 12, this is what it reads. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face, so that our joy may be complete. Now, John must have been writing to the churches, probably to the ones mentioned in Revelation 2. That's what they say. He understood the importance of meeting face-to-face. Why? So that their joy may be complete. So we can infer that there could be some amount of joy by meeting virtually, but then it is not complete. Our joy will not be complete if we don't meet, to face like we are doing today it's so good that's why I said when I see you I'm so happy to see all of you if we just think back during those pandemic and lockdown period when our church used to meet through zoom the online medium I think we tried our best, everything happened the singing was there But most of the time it was only the singers that that would be singing and we would be watching on the screen. And if by mistake, when someone forgot to put off the mic, and if they were singing off tune, everybody would be disturbed. And the communion happened. We all sat in front of the little screen and we we participated in that. It felt a little strange to me, I don't know how it was to you. And for the one who was preaching, He would preach to the laptop screen. And it was a little bit awkward. Even though the communication was coming through and we thank God for that. Everything happened. Yet I think the joy was not complete. And that is why we were just waiting when we would have the opportunity just to come together again. Technology in the life of the church is often a gift. God just never intended it to be a replacement. So let's not forget that. Now God created us three-dimensionally with bodies, not just as two-dimensional talking heads that we would normally see in the screen. And it is with these bodies that we meet with each other. We talk, we sing, we laugh, we eat, we shake hands, we listen and everything else. We were meant to experience and participate in church with our whole bodies that we are doing today. We have not left some of our body parts at home. It's our whole body, our physical body that we have come with this morning. The church is not just a performance that we watch as if we were watching a show on Netflix. It's never meant to be that. Now in the New Testament epistles there are some one and others that have been mentioned. They are not divine love letters to you, the individual Christian, nor are they penned to generic crowds of believers. Most are written to whole congregations in the epistles who have covenanted together to help each other to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So there is a corporate assumption where everyone have to be there together so much has been written about the bible's one another commands and for good reason so there are nearly about 60 of them but i will mention a few here john 13 35 it says love one another romans 15 7 welcome one another 1 Corinthians 12, 25 care for one another. 2 Corinthians 13.11, agree with one another. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens. Ephesians 4.32, forgive one another. Colossians 3.16, teach one another. And 1 Thessalonians 5.15, do good to one another. James 5.16 confess to one another, and 1 Peter 4.9 show hospitality to one another. I'm not sure how we could have done that through the online mode or through Zoom. For instance, if we would have to show hospitality, we could just maybe just take a picture of the food and just send the picture of the food, which would be so strange it would be just so meaningless. There's no way we would love one another, in the online world. We can just say, I love you, I care for you, you you mean so much to me, that's it. But then, there won't be a deep connection. So this list in our technological age should spark gratitude in our hearts for even in a time of isolation we can carry out some aspects of these commands that I've just read out. It is possible. Thank God to love from a distance. And yet, it's nowhere near the same, is it? I think we are just not near at all. It is so different when we come together. For instance, if there are two lovers that have been parted because of a war. And they are forced to write these letters. They will say, When peace time arrives, let's just keep writing to each other, shall we? Do you think they would do that? I don't think so. They would be just waiting when this war would just get over so that they would rush and just meet with each other. Despite the blessings of a digital age, the Christian life, which is to say the church life, is undeniably diminished when we are apart. We realize it or not, and that is what had happened all over the world. Obeying the one another commands from a distance is like, is like writing letters in wartime. It may have to do for a while, but it is not the substitute for the real thing. And that is why I praise God that we are meeting here even today. We usually say that we are the body of Christ where Jesus Christ is the head and all of us are parts of that body. So where is that body exhibited? The expression of it can be exhibited in the local church, which is you and me who are gathered here together. Now let us assume that the head is here in Dwarka Sector 22, the eye is in Sector 6, and the hands are in Sector 14. Or we could stretch it all over the country or all over the world. They will not be a body that comes together. They will just remain as parts of that body. We will see the full body only when all parts come together and are united to one another. And that is what we call the church. That is why it is so important in the life of the church that there needs to be the gathering of the saints, the gathering of God's people as that displays the body of Christ which is so visible. And now for us here as DBF Duarca, What is the mission objectives for our gathering? It is to deepen relationships and fellowship, to create a sense of belonging in the community, to increase participation in church gatherings, events, and small groups, to grow in our desire for worship and the word, to reach larger groups of people through special programs and events, to see an overall increase in membership in our church. To make disciples by introducing people to Christ through our services and events. So these are the objectives that we have when we talk about gathering of God's people. And then we have some of the ministries, which are Sunday services, events and services team, life song, Lighthouse Kids, DC Men, Walk With Me, Light Groups, Connect Groups, Seniors Groups. And you and I need to be part of these groups which are relevant to you. Then only we will be able to achieve the objectives that we have. So I would like to encourage all of you to be part of all these ministries. And if you have not, please consider being part of these ministries so that we all are able to gather together and grow together in the Lord. Okay, the second one is grow. I'd like to read from Ephesians 4, 14 and 15. So that we may no longer be children. Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Let us no longer be children who are tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine. I'm talking about maturity in our spiritual life. So I have a little prop that I want to uh, show so that it sticks into your memories. Okay, every time we talk about growth, growth, we always remember this. I intentionally brought this so that you would not forget it. So if, every day, if I'm drinking this, would that be normal? How old am I now? I think it is inappropriate, right? For me to drink this. It would be so abnormal. It may look disgusting and funny, But I think it talks a lot. I'm a grown up man who has grown bald and beautiful. I'm not supposed to feed myself with milk from a baby feeding bottle. I'm supposed to use my hands to eat solid food that would be normal. It is abnormal for my age to do that, isn't it? Yet, isn't it true? of many christians all over they do not exhibit any signs of maturity at all they remain this is a word which i heard some years ago they remain churchians i'm not sure if that is in the dictionary but it makes a lot of sense who just go to church from sunday to the other but doesn't want to make any effort to grow. they do not pray they do not read the scriptures But they make sure they give their tithes because they want to receive God's blessings. This is exactly what Ephesians is talking about. There are all sorts of teachings and doctrines that are heresies, unbiblical. And we are not mature and do not know our scriptures. Then we will be swinging from left to right. And we will be carried away by all sorts of teachings that we come across, which are unhealthy and harmful to the growth and development of us individually and also for the church as well. I remember I used to be like that some years ago, when I was much younger, because those were the the days when all sorts of teachings were coming in and we were just trying to soak in everything. So when I look back, I realize how much I was swayed from one to the other. And I didn't know what was my stand doctrine of it. It is a natural process that all living things grow. They follow a natural process of growth. So also it is with our spiritual lives. When we have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe for some ten years, fifteen years, twenty years, one year, we were we were infants. And we have at least expected that we would have attained some level of maturity now. And some elements of the fruit of the Spirit should be seen by now in our lives. But is that the case? And many of us would be asking these questions to ourselves. Am I growing? How am I growing? Is maturity evident in my life? Have I been consistently, even if so, become more like Jesus? These are tough questions to ask. And I ask that to myself. And many times I feel that I still have so much to do. Maybe by age, I've aged quite a bit. But then when I look at my spiritual life, there's so much more that I need to work on. The Bible repeatedly teaches that Christians are supposed to to be maturing in many ways, all of which enable us to bring glory to God and fulfill our purpose on earth. In other words, cruise-controlled Christianity is not genuine Christianity. Press a button, put it at 100 kilometers per hour, that's it. It will just cruise in the highway. I think we are not meant to be like that. Salvation is not merely eternal life insurance. Salvation is not a get rich, get healed, get famous formula either. Scripture teaches that once we are saved, Christians are to be imitating Christ. We see that in 1 Corinthians 11:1, Loving others like Christ. 1 John 4.7 Giving themselves up like Christ. Ephesians 5.1-2 Keeping the commandments of Christ, John fourteen fifteen, growing in holiness like Christ, 1 Peter one sixteen, and even suffering like Christ, 1 Peter two twenty one. All of us mostly know or have an idea as to what needs to be done so that it would lead us to spiritual maturity. We know some of the steps that we need to do we have talked about spiritual disciplines those are very important for our spiritual life but today what i want to briefly talk about is to rather prayerfully assess ourselves with these four signs that i want to share with you as i was preparing this i came across these points and i found it to be so helpful it's not the ultimate list to assess yourself, whether you are mature or not, but this few points that I think is helpful. Number one, you see trials as training. You see trials as training. This one is not fun, but since when is growth ever painless? In the gym, athletes hire trainers who make them sore push their limits and provide resistance so so they grow stronger so it is in christian life when it comes to trials the other day my son went to the gym and i'm not sure whether he was trying to impress or he was pushing his limits he did some bench press and injured his muscles so the past two nights I was giving, giving him Flexon tablets to ease the pain. But that is what happens. There is always some element of pain if there has to be some gain. So it is in the Christian life when it comes to trials as well. Or do you just see trials as a cosmic abuse? Do you shake your fist at God demanding he does what you are commanding? Have you come to rest in His sovereignty? Even when your life takes an unexpected turn into trial and suffering. Romans 5, 3-5 reminds us to rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces what? Endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope, does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For the Christian, trials equal training. So this is the first assessment that I would like us to make. When trials come, how do we react? The second one, you pray with a wide perspective. There are times even when I'm also guilty of this. Prayer can be a sensitive subject matter, I know, because some view it as a personal and outside of anyone's opinion anyone else's opinion. However, we must sober up to the reality that God's divine opinion matters when it comes to our prayer life. Your prayer life is also a significant indicator of maturity. For for example, our physical and emotional needs are incredibly important to God. We know that from Matthew 6, 2 Corinthians 12, and 1 Peter. But there is so much more to prayer than simply asking God to do everything we want. God, I need this, I need this job, I need this food, I need this clothes and mean, his health, all are important. I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray in that manner. No, not at all. All those are important. But then, there are many more things that we need to mature in. The Apostle Paul's written prayers were focused on the salvation of souls, freedom from sin, open doors for the gospel, Christ-centered peace, joy in trials and thanksgiving to God for all that he was doing in the hearts of believers. That is how the Apostle Paul prayed. Does your and my prayer resemble Paul's? Do we adore God in prayer like David would extol him in the Psalms? Just praising God I think we did that in the 40 days of prayer that we had. We read so much of those psalms of just praising God and worshipping Him. It was so beautiful. Are you actively surrendering your will to His as Jesus did on the, on the way to the cross? Yes. Pray for physical and emotional things. But seek a wider perspective. Than your own temporal needs let's broaden our horizon as we pray let's pray for bigger things as well not only for ourselves quickly number three you respond to rebuke with receptivity this is a challenging one especially on the streets of delhi where you are always so angry with the other person when people play offense We have a tendency to play defense, most of the time. That's what we would do. We want to just justify ourselves. It is innate, it's always in us. It can also be a sign of spiritual immaturity in some ways, you like it or not, but I think it shows up sometimes. Maturity is the antidote to the type of pride that always assumes it is right. Proverbs offers convicting insight, asking in 26-12 Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. On a strong word. There is more hope for a fool than for that person who always thinks he is wise and right in his own eyes. Do you freely admit that you very likely could be the problem in some scenarios. Are you open to others shining the light of truth on your darkened black spots? I don't like that. Christian maturity reflects the heart of Psalm 51:17 with a kind of brokenness and contrite response that the Lord will not despite. Let us come. To the Lord with brokenness and the contrite heart. Let us accept that we are wrong at times. And lastly, the fourth sign, habitual sins are fading. Nobody is called to perfection, but every Christian is called to progression. The plain truth is putting off the old self and being renewed by the Holy Spirit is going to transform you, even if it seems agonizingly slow sometimes. The Lord may use counseling, accountability, preaching and prayers as a means of grace by which certain nagging sins get addressed. When it comes to sin and temptation, God always provides a way of escape. We know that from 1 Corinthians chapter 10.13. And a Christian is without question implored to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. From Philippians chapter 2, we see that. All the while, a mature Christian trusts in the power of grace that is greater than all sin. Knowing that it is God who works in us both to will and work for His good pleasure. It is the Lord who is working. Are you confessing sin? Do you see a pattern of holiness growing in your life? And is habitual practice of sin decreasing? I think this is an important sign that we need to assess ourselves with. There could be some habitual practices of sin that we are struggling with, but we need to see whether that is decreasing. And if it is, praise God, We know that you are growing in the Lord. Quickly, what is the mission objective as DBF Dwarka when it comes to growing? To see spiritual growth and maturity take place, to grow in shepherding care and counseling, to grow in the knowledge of God's word, to depend more on God through prayer, to strengthen discipleship relationships, to deepen our love and care for one another, to grow in our concern and commitment for the kingdom of God. And then we have the ministries that are related to these objectives. Again, how do we grow? Come to Sunday services. Listen to the preaching and teaching of God's word. For the children, the lighthouse Kids, The scripture hour. The heartbeat. One-to-one mentoring. Connect groups life groups that we have. I would like to encourage each and every one of us to make an assessment and see where do we stand in these areas. We've spoken about the importance of gathering and also the importance of growing. These are the first two missions that we have as a church. And the next Sunday we will see the other two. I hope that it has become a little clearer with our 4G mission as we have talked about this morning. May we continue to grow in the Lord day by day. Amen.